0: Welcome to The Anonymous Podcast. This episode will be a living clean study and commentary. The aim is to provide insight to and context of the material within our book, Living Clean. This is not a meeting of Narcotics Anonymous. However, there will be some similarities in how the study will be conducted. Each study will have the audio recorded and then published to The Anonymous Podcast. The overall goal is to provide a commentary of the text towards reaching those seeking a resource like this. If one person benefits from our efforts, including us, then our participation will be well worth the effort. We'll have the introductions, and then we'll jump into the text. Enjoy. All right, welcome back, everyone. This is Living Clean Study for the Anonymous Podcast, and we're on episode 51, page 179. We're going to begin with our priorities, but first we're going to give our introductions. Barb, could you jump in? Introduce yourself, please.
1: I'm Barbar from the panhandle of Florida. My clean date is 10 4, 95, and my home group is the Open Mind, the hybrid meeting out of New Orleans.
0: Thanks Barb, what's up Des?
2: Hi everybody, I'm, Des. Uh, I, I'm Des, I come from Wisconsin. My home group is every Wednesday at noon and we're fully virtual, we choose to live. And my clean date is July 24th of 1995, glad to be here.
0: All right. Thank you, Des. What's up, Jennifer?
3: Hi, my name is Jennifer and I'm an addict. My clean date is November 27th, 1992, and I attend meetings in Sacramento, California.
0: Thanks, Jennifer. What's up, Natalie
2: Kay?
3: Hey,
4: y'all. My name is Natalie. I'm an addict uh, from Santa Rosa Beach, Florida. My home group is Second
5: Chance, and my clean date is December
4: 1st, 2017.
0: Natalie.
5: What's up, Lisa? Hey, I'm Lisa H. I'm an addict from Central Western PA. My home group is Monday Night Miracles in Meadville, and my clean date is February 25th,
0: 2012. All right. Thanks, Lisa. Eva, can you jump in?
5: Yeah. Hey, everybody. My name is Eva P. from Salem, Oregon.
4: Uh, Meetings in Mid-Willamette Valley area, and my home group is the Do It Hard meetings.
0: All right. Thanks, Eva. I'm an addict. Name's Douglas. I got clean March twelfth, 2000 in Southwestern PA, and I stay in the Raleigh, North Carolina area now. All right, folks, we're going to jump in. This is the Living Clean Study for the Anonymous Podcast, episode 51. Again, we're on page 179 uh, with our priorities change. Um, and let's go, Lisa H., can you read that paragraph? That's going to end this section. So um, let's just read that one, finish out page 179, and then we'll make our comments there.
5: Absolutely. Our priorities change over the course of our recovery. In the beginning, simply not using is a full-time job. When we transition out of this desperation, many of us get preoccupied with material things. We mistake success for security. When our priorities shift again, it may be a result of a different kind of change, a gradual realization that a deeper satisfaction awaits us. I believed I was acceptable as long as the bills were paid I worked hard but forgot to take care of myself physically, mentally, and spiritually. Gradually, my understanding began to develop. As the connection to my higher power deepened, I came to a clearer vision of what I wanted. I was no longer willing to let labels hold me back or define me. I stopped thinking about social acceptability in terms of status. I wanted to be a person people were comfortable being around after finding my way to the surface and taking that breath of life i wanted to share it freely with no false motives um so this is a really cool paragraph cuz there's something like super relevant to this going on in my life right now um like i know i've been kind of sharing about like my confusion between like social acceptability and recovery when i was early um but i think you know with time this stuff is still relatable and that's really cool like a cool piece of our literature is like every time I read it, I tend to find something new. Um, it's like, these books are like magic, but, um, you know, there's some unrest going on in my workplace right now with conflicts of interest and ethical issues. Um, and today there's a, there's a woman that I work with. I work for technically, um, she's my assistant director. Um, you know, some of these issues are starting to affect like how we do our jobs. Right. And this woman, she's like, she's a normie, but she's super cool, super sensitive to the recovery community. She's walked with me through some severe difficulties kind of related to the situation. Um, And she made the decision to tender her resignation yesterday because of, um, I guess for her, it's like looking at the scene that's going on at work, right? And she has a, a pretty significant title. And, you know, she's looking at this, and this is like role model shit for me, right? Like, I can still pick out my role models um, in recovery um, now, you know, with a little bit of time, which is super cool. But she looked at this and said, This isn't spiritually sitting with me, right? And I need to do the right thing for my own happiness and, you know, for my own spiritual well being and in solidarity with my team as opposed to like putting all of this um, recognition behind my title, behind my salary, like I'm willing to walk away from it to do the next right thing. And, you know, I'm watching her like wrestle with the fear and the uncertainty um, of doing this big thing, this difficult thing. And, um, you know, that resonates with me because something that I've learned in recovery is, you know, like what's acceptable to me on a spiritual level now is so different than what was acceptable to me when I first came in. Um, Like, I relate to that idea of like, I paid my bills, I worked hard, um, but forgot to take care of myself in all of those other ways, right? Um, Like I hear people talk all the time about not putting anything before my recovery, because I've definitely learned that the things I put before my recovery are the things that I will lose first when I stop going to meetings, I stop working steps, calling my sponsor, I get out of the literature, I stop coming around. you know, and like that, that speaks to my spirit because like, it's a reflection of how, you know, I can do difficult things clean, but now I'm aligned a whole lot more with what is spiritually acceptable. Um, and that like this piece about like being a person that others are comfortable being around, you know, like she is somebody that I have like immense respect for because of her actions. Like she has consistently showed me over time, um, you know, how to show up in those ways and how to do the next right thing on that level. Um, And she shares it with me without any, any expectation or any need for return, you know, and, um, you know, I think today that that's just a lesson for me and like the next level, you know, of behaviors that like I want to emulate in my life and recovery and with that I'll pass.
0: Thanks for those comments. Anybody else? Jennifer, what's up?
3: Thanks, Douglas. <clears throat> I feel like this whole paragraph is actually like my life story at the moment. And uh, <clears throat> you know, we mistake success for security. You know, the, the one thing that, you know, I grew up with um was is, you know, if you make a lot of money and you have nice things, that makes you, you know, your your right place in society and 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 successful. And um, you know, and I did find a lot of comfort in that for a long time. And what I found. <clears throat> through the process of recovery is it's definitely my priorities shifted, you know, and, and the interesting part about it is, is that, you know, I, I, it says here, I worked hard, but forgot to take care of myself. And, and, and I think that's really common, right? We get wrapped up, you know, my experiences, you know, I get really wrapped up in life, and all of a sudden, you know, I'm kind of like sitting there one day and like, oh, like I haven't done this or I haven't done that or I haven't been to a meeting in a while or I haven't, um, you know, I haven't prayed or, or journaled in a while. And 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 so I'm, I'm buzzing along through life, you know, and and, and this happened to me, you know, <clears throat> not so long ago, you know, where I was like, what am I, what am I doing, you know? And I had to like take a step back and look at and reevaluate what my life looked like today. And, you know, Narcotics Anonymous has taught me, you know, when I choose to pay attention, you know, that if I'm not working on me, I can't help you, you know, and, and if I'm not making spiritual deposits into myself, I don't have what others need for me. I don't have that ability to give back, you know, like our 12 step talks about, um, and I'll tell you what happened for me though. And, and this is, you know, I'm gonna bring Barb up because I'm gonna talk about Alan on a little bit. You know, I um, you know, Barb talks about Alanon a lot, and, and, and I was having a conversation with her today about a lot of um, that uh, you know, specifically today with my teenagers, a lot of my working hard and doing and doing and doing, and then I've taken a step back and said to them, you know, I'm working on me and I'm taking care of me. And, it's not gone over well. So it isn't like all of a sudden Jennifer decided to take care of herself and the world goes, congratulations, you know, now there's this fight back and forth um, of I'm not giving to them. I'm not I'm not providing them what they need, which is cash apps and, you know, DoorDash uh, and, you know, I'm not doing everything for them. And so I get to revert back to this piece of, you know, what I've learned is like, my, my kids have a higher power. I have a higher power. You know, um, we're going to be in the care of that. Um, but as a family, it's a little messy right now. And, um, and, 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 and the good news on all of that, even though I'm not feeling in the good news mood, uh, is that we're not going anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. My kids aren't going anywhere, although I did I did ask my 18-year-old to leave today, but that's a whole different story, but um, just on the real note of where I'm at today, <laughs> I'm not, definitely not the perfect parent, um, and 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 when this last sentence says, after finding my way to the surface and taking that breath of life, I wanted to share it freely with no false motives, and, and I guess that's my message today is like, <clears throat> I want to share freely my struggles, I, you know, I don't like to walk around and tell everybody or make it look like it's easy, because, you know, recovery... I misunderstood recovery when I got here, when they said it was simple, I equated that with easy and it couldn't be anything farther from the truth. You know, we have a simple program. We have 12 steps that we work in a row with a sponsor who tells us how to do it. And somehow along the way, I managed to, you know, confuse that and make it way harder than it ever was. And I sometimes still, you know, participate in that, that messy thinking. But I do know that, that it works you know, and I do know it's worth the work. And that's the great part about, um, you know, recovery and this fellowship is that I I can look around me even when I don't feel like it and know that this works and know that everything's going to be okay. I just don't feel okay today. So I'm going to pass with that. Thanks.
0: Thanks for those comments, Jennifer. I was looking at this too. The cool thing, like our priorities change over the course of our recovery. I think it's important to highlight the fact that one, Hey, it's okay if our priorities do change. Like, I don't have to feel, you know, shame and all that stuff. Like, you know, wrapped up in saying, "Hey, look, th- these certain things are a little bit more important right now. I need to put more effort in in, in, in my time and resources into these areas in, in this part of my life." And and that's cool. Um, but look, th- this deeper satisfaction awaits us. Piece, I think both of those really tie into to. It's in our basic text. Somebody back me up and let me know where this is where it talks about. Hey, look. Some, some, some things that were okay in this season of our, our recovery just aren't, you know, just aren't now. And that's not a bad, like, that's a good thing where I, where I get fucked up though with that is like, if, if I try to, to, you know how, um, old timers, used to hit us with like, Hey, where, where are some of these defects, like a loose coat. And what that means is like, look, man, if it went, when it becomes like, it's not serving you fucking take it off, man, take it off, leave it, take it off. You know, and that and that's the thing that I need to remember is like I, I it, it's OK for me to assign my resources, my time, my effort into different areas and different seasons. But but I want to I want to hit on this. I wanted to be a person people were comfortable being around. And I have that starred and underlined in red and, and all that stuff, because it's it's really cool. I've been able to I've been able to grow into that in recovery, man. I really have been like I'm not wide open. Um, I mean, sometimes I can get, but but I'm really kind of like a kind of like a reserved, kind of chill type of person. We're getting clean. This one dude, this old timer, Scotty, tells a story, man, of like he, he took me out on his boat. I had, I think it was like eight days clean or something like that. And he stopped the boat. He's like, Look, I'm gonna fucking throw you out if you don't stop talking and bouncing. I was like, you know, both legs bounced in my head, you know, and all that stuff. But I'm kind of relaxed now. And what's really cool is like, a couple weekends ago, um, Lisa was speaking. I was able to just, you know, go up to PA or Ohio, wherever it was, and, and just hang out, man, for the day, sitting in a chair, talking, laughing. And people were around me. It wasn't like, yo, man, let me, you know, this dude's going to steal this, watch this. It, it was just chill. And Jen and I just drove up to West Virginia. It was really cool. I had a sponsee or a grand sponsor celebrating a couple of years and went to go kind of hang out there and speak and do whatever, and just people just love, man. It was just like I've I've really been able to see myself kind of grow into to someone people are comfortable with being around. Total opposite, man. I felt lower than shit when I got clean. Like n- no one wants to be around me. Number one, have nothing to offer, you know, and that whole thing. And uh, and so so I think that's been a, an awakening of my spirit. I thought about this while you folks were sharing. And uh, and thanks for opening up like that. Both you really, because I like I like knowing that that we can be on a journey. We can share, kick shit out. And it's not all we don't all have to like wrap it in a pretty bow. man. we just don't. And that's the you know, and I'll say I'll say this for Paul. And then I'm going to kick it up to you, Des. Paul's working tonight. So so he couldn't uh, he couldn't jump on. But he he would say, and here's the thing. The two percent that we don't want people to know about is what brings us together. Right. So if he's listening to that, that's a big shout out there. What's up, Des?
2: um they first of all thanks for letting me be with you guys tonight and and um this is like this has like one of my favorite lines in the living clean which is crazy right it's it's the very last one after finding my way to the surface and taking that breath of life I wanted to share it freely with no false motives and and really like when I read that I remember when the draft version of this was out and we were all reading it and sending in our audit edits or whatever. And I remember reading this line and talking to a, a woman that I sponsored and being like, wow, that's so cool. And we just had this long, like three hour conversation about this line of the text. And uh, I just love it because that's who I wanted to be all the time. I don't want to have false motives. I don't want to do things that make other people happy. I want to make myself happy. So I'm really grateful that, um, that I'm not alone in that. I'm not, I'm not an alien. We're all together in this. So that's pretty cool. Thank you.
0: All right, thanks for jumping in, Des. Barbara, would you be willing to read the next two? Folks, let's turn the page, page 180. This is going to be the heading Finding Our Place in the World. If you could read those first two uh, paragraphs and comment, please.
1: Sure, Douglas. We start with the goal of not using, and our dreams and goals grow as we recover. While some of us crave material success or social status, others want no part of that. Ultimately, We define social acceptability for ourselves. Even so, it's a moving target and it changes over time. What we consider an acceptable life in early recovery may seem inadequate or even embarrassing later on. Just being able to bathe and get through the day without a felony was a big deal for me, said one member. However much or little we have, our feelings of fear or comfort, security or scarcity have more to do with our perspective than anything else. We always remember that a day clean is a day one, no matter how far we have come or how far we have yet to go. Dreams really do come true, but that's almost never the end of the story. Achievement takes us past where our planning or projecting ends. We can mistake a goal for an ultimatum. There's only one way it's supposed to be, and anything else is failure. We need to remember that we have only a fleeting glimpse of our higher power's will for us. Our desires may set us in a direction, but the journey takes us somewhere that never occurred to us. And that's what my first sponsor always told me. You do you do all the footwork and then you turn it over. And and I, I guess I, I did have trouble for, for a long time doing that. But today it's like an adventure. It's like a puzzle or a, a game, you know, to do all the footwork and then turn it over and let it unfold and see what happens. And, and it's it's never what I would think. You know, and it's always much better than what I would think, you know, and um, I like where it says we define social acceptability for ourselves. You know, that's what you guys have taught me. You know, my my morals are my morals, my standards are my standards. They apply to me, not you, you know, and and they 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 might not uh, be what yours are. And that's okay. And I love this. It's a moving target and it changes over time. They told me that the only thing inevitable was change. And I, and I know that today, you know, that it's going to change. And I remember when this one where it was talking about, a, oh, inadequate or even embarrassing later on. I remember when I first came in and I had to go to the meetings, they had that night feel, you know, all the renegades in there, the night meetings, you know. And now today I go to the early meetings, you know, and when I go to them night ones, it doesn't feel healthy, you know, it doesn't feel healthy to me, it probably isn't, you know, and um, it's things like that when I see that, that I see how much, how far I've come and how, how I've changed, you know, so. Um, I guess um, that's it for me. Thanks.
0: Hey, thanks Barb. I wonder, I wonder this, you know, when you hit on the social acceptability for ourselves, like how we define that for ourselves, I wonder, you know, if, if I do a good job of allowing other people to do that, you know what I mean? Like I I, I want you to give me my autonomy in that area, you know, but I think I'm really quick to kind of, to, to see in other people like, damn, they're a little bit hot, fucked up like this you know, I don't want you looking at me like that, but you know, I could, I could see that in you. I wonder, wonder if any of y'all can identify with that. What's up, Lisa? Jump on in.
5: I absolutely identify with that. Um, and that's really funny because Will from the guiding principles, uh, panel hit me the other week. We were talking about, um, somebody else had asked me, you know, what do you think the difference is between freedom and autonomy? And, you know, I was kind of chewing this over with Will, because like he gets real into the literature like I do. And man, this little motherfucker, he says, you know, I think when I think of freedom, I think that it's for me. And when I think of autonomy, I think about letting other people have whatever their version of freedom is. Right. Um, Because like you said, like, I want my own autonomy, but and I don't want anybody to like push their idea of freedom onto me. So why would I do that to anyone else? Um, but yeah, I absolutely relate, you know, cause like I can still be a judgmental fuck too. Um, but the piece I think of this little chunk that stands out for me, um, I mean, there's a couple of them, right? Like that feeling of fear or comfort, security or scarcity being based on my own perspective. Um, you know, my thinking can still be really fucked up and that can make it difficult for me to like, even be comfortable with the place in the world that I've been given, um, and like later it talks about like our higher powers will for us. I don't always know what my higher powers will is for me, but like, I fucked a lot of stuff up and I, I know a thing or two about what it probably isn't. Um, and, uh, you know, that can be real uncomfortable sometimes because like, I'm an individual, like PTSD is a part of my story. Severe trauma is a part of my story. Um, you know, abusive relationships. So like, you know, our readings talk a lot about like our natural state is using addicts. Like my natural state is to be anxious and hypervigilant and kind of freaked out, like always waiting for the next shoe to drop. And like that, that perspective can create a lot of discomfort and insecurity and fear of scarcity. Um, you know, and like putting that shit through steps, you know, is what helps me to get through the day without a felony, you know, cause like I can definitely act out on some of that fear. And like, the thing for me is like, I can find my place in the world and be super comfortable, but then also be uncomfortable at the same time and want to just burn it down, you know, because I don't always know how to have good things. Or, you know, there's days where like, I wake up and don't necessarily believe that I deserve good things, no matter how good I'm doing in recovery. You know, my disease can still kind of talk to me. Um, And I think that relates to like the goal as an ultimatum idea. Um, Because like, I'm an inner perfectionist too, you know, I can look at this as like, There's one way it's supposed to be, and that's my way, right? If I want it done the right way, my way, I'm going to do it myself. And I'm not going to let anybody else help me or love me through it. Um, And if it doesn't come out absolutely perfect, it's a complete failure. You know, and sometimes it can be difficult for me to see the lesson in the middle. Um, You know, but like our desires may set us in a direction, but the journey takes us somewhere that never occurred to us. That has been so true for me in my recovery, in my relationships, in my career, Um, you know, if you would have told me even just two years ago that I was going to move four hours north and change jobs twice and be, you know, like, you know, go through a divorce and recovery and do all of the things that I've done in the last, you know, three or four years, I I never would have, never would have even like batted an eye at it. I wouldn't have believed you. Um, You know, and I think like with, you know, the woman I shared on earlier at work too, you know, like the journey takes us somewhere that never occurred to us. Usually when I'm Open-minded and willing to take a leap of faith, um, you know my higher power, my higher powers plans are uh, almost always better than anything I could have imagined for myself, and with that, I'll pass.
0: Thanks for those comments, Lisa.
2: What's up, Natalie?
4: Hey, I just I related to a lot of what Lisa was just sharing, and and when we were reading this tonight, I was thinking about um, when I when I first got clean. Um, I was in the last six weeks of a very difficult marriage and like recovery is what gave me that ability to be like, I, I didn't have the ability to stand on my own two feet and do things for myself. And I had given that up a while ago because I, it was like, I was too scared to even try to do things on my own. And so I just let that fear stop me in my tracks and like over the last you know, four and a half years, like I've just slowly every day putting recovery first and being afraid of something and just doing it anyway has just allowed those changes to happen. And it's just been the coolest thing. And, um, you know, what in that first couple of months, like I, I've got three kids and it's like my kids and I, the four of us were in a two bedroom apartment and I shared the master with my daughter. Like that was that first definition of doing what I needed to do to stand on my own two feet putting putting those things first and it's just it's grown and changed and always putting recovery first has allowed life to happen for me and not be afraid and just continue doing what's in front of me and instead of feeling overwhelmed paralyzed by fear just doing things on a daily basis and watching that out or add up over like weeks months and years and so yeah that's all I wanted to say.
0: All right. Thanks for those comments, Natalie. Our right, folks. Let's uh, let's go into the last paragraph of page 180 and the top of 181. I'll read these. Some of us are naturally dynamic and thrive on a lot of color and excitement. We might worry that life we are comfortable with might not be very exciting. Letting go of our attachment to drama makes it possible to enjoy simple things without feeling we must constantly make something happen. Uh, we discover that we can be passionate about our lives as they really are. We'll learn that the kind of work required to live a good life is not nearly as difficult as the kind of work that results from sabotaging our own efforts. We spend years creating wreckage, uh, damage and drama, and then cleaning it up uh, to make room for more. When we are spinning our wheels in chaos of our own making, our sponsor might ask us, what are you running from? After we stop this destructive cycle, we can see how much it requires of us. We find that we can be radiant without being radioactive, when we're finally able to settle down and breathe, our lives get much easier. That space gives us room to look around and ask ourselves what we love about our lives and what might we want to change. I mean, I don't go through any of that stuff. You know what I'm saying? I don't have, you know, when things are going really good for me, I don't have something that clicks in my mind that says burn this fucking village down. You know? <laughs> we were just talking about that the other day. It's, it's funny, man. It's like a couple, you know, like a couple bad things you know, or, or difficult situations happen, and it's like, all right, you know, uh, I'm, I'm kind of shoring up with the sponsor, you know, I'm, I'm pouring into the sponsees, might even hit an extra meeting, you know, when when it's rough, it's like, all right, man, I'm, I'm all in, but when it, it's good, it's like, all right, you know, how can I, how can I make some drama happen in this, and so I think, like, a uh that Maybe a, a, another kind of awakening of the spirit is saying, "Look, I, I really don't have to do that," and I think that's what it's talking about. Like we we discover we can be passionate about our lives as they as they really are, and I don't need to create or minimize. I can I can actually accept some cool things, and and maybe not take myself so serious if I'm not um, where I want to be. You know, I can kind of find that middle piece, and when and when I can, um, I. I don't really stay there for long, like when I find that, but, but it's, it is kind of cool when I, when I can get there. Um, n- another thing I was thinking, reading this, it was like this, um, when we're finally able to settle down and breathe, our lives get much easier. And then that space is talking about, um, I, I guess in, in this context of, of the text is talking about, hey, but like the big picture, but I was looking at it. I, I think there's a lot of similarities to like an 11 step. You know, just like a morning peace, and it's kind of like, well, that's what happens when I can drop into that, um, to that peacefulness, and try to let you know, not really get fixated on thoughts, just kind of let them flow in and out. Um, my life life gets a lot, or it seems to be a little bit easier. My perspective gets a little bit clearer, um, and so I'll, and then the last comment, then I'll kick it over to see so we got Des on deck. Um, you know, the 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 one. He's a psychologist. You guys probably have seen his stuff. He, I think he's pretty cool. He's like Jordan Peterson, but he talks about this too. It says, Look, um, we look around, and ask ourselves what we love about our lives and what might we want to change. And that's what he said too. This one lecture he was giving, he said, Look, when you really want to get to know yourself? Before you go to bed, sit at the edge of your bed and ask yourself, What am I doing that I shouldn't be doing? And then ask yourself, What, what could I be doing that I'm not? And I was like, God damn. You know, they, that's kind of what this is looking like. And, and there are areas, right? Like there's areas where, where, hey, man, I'm really happy about the, these things in my life. It's kind of cool. And then these other areas where I want to change. But here's the fucked up part about it, man. And here's where it gets out of balance for me. If, we, we, when I start hyper focusing on the things that I want to change and the things that aren't fulfilling and the thing, bro, my mind goes in in this cycle of it's always been this way, it's this way now, and it's always going to be this way, and, and then I get into that, that desperate mode of like, yo, I want to change it, or I don't want to feel what's going on, that's addiction, you know, and and, 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 that's, and that's what we know right here, when we feel that in here, man, hey, I need corrective action, I need to be talking about it, I need praying, you know, do, doing the work there, what I wanted, what, what, I, what I try to do is to be able to look at both, and kind of say, keep it in balance, right? Just keep it all right-sized. I got some good things going on. I got some not, not, not good things going on and it's okay, you know? So so those, those are my comments. What's happening, Des?
2: Hey, thanks for all that, Douglas. That's all really helpful. And I wanted to talk about um, the, you know, we can discover that we are passionate about our lives just as they are, as they really are. And I remember my first uh, 10 years clean I was a um I was a software designer right and I'm not a software designer anymore that was what I did for a job and I didn't really like it but I could be passionate about it cuz I was good at it and I I remember working with my sponsor and um at the time and talking about how well I'm really I you know I could put my passion into this but I really feel like there's more for me you know and um i was able to go back to school and get a different degree and and start a different career you know later in life and um and i really like that and i think um you know i i could be passionate about what i was doing but then it goes on to say you know once we're there once once i was there where i could give passion to what my life was today then i could like slow down and look at my life and find what i really love and then find what I didn't really love and what I wanted to change. And and that's how I got into this new career that I do now that I really love and I'm really excited about. And and I'm really like, man, this is so cool. And I, and I can't believe it's my life. Right. So um, I remember feeling like, I don't know, like, like um, the thing about uh, wanting to sabotage things in my life and feeling like well, I guess I'm only going to be a software designer. That's all I'm going to do. And I hated it, but I, I just did it because I was used to doing things that I didn't like. And, um, and then when I was able to change into a new career where I was really like the, you know, I do research and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in therapy, you know, psychologist stuff. And, and I get to really dig into stuff and find some really interesting things that not only make other people's lives better, but make my life better because my life didn't get any better by doing software design and, you know, putting stuff in and waiting for it to compile and looking at my error codes and whatever. That was all like cut and paste stuff. But, you know, the career I have today makes my life better too, because the deeper I dive into it, the, the more my life becomes, you know, more, just more of a life. So I love that. I love that, um, you know, that it's okay to give passion to how my life is now, but at the same time, it's okay to look at my life and change it if I don't love it. And that's what I was able to do. And I'm really grateful for that. So glad to be here. Thanks for letting me share.
0: does That's a cool perspective hot, like just to, just to drive that point home. If there's a software designer who's listening, you're not saying, Hey man, every software designer lives a born fucking life. No, you could be cool with that. Like that's fine. But the, the freedom comes from like, yo, it, I don't have to do shit and just be stuck. You know what I mean? Like that for just be stuck. I mean, we're clean. Go do something different, man.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. Do something different.
0: Yeah. yeah, that's good stuff. What's up, Jennifer?
3: Thanks, Dez. I really appreciated you talking about your career change. And, you know, um, if, if I go back really quick to the, what, um, the previous paragraphs we read, where it says there's only one way it's supposed to be and anything else is failure. You know, when I look at... <clears throat> the changes that I've made in my life and the hiccups along the way, um, you know, one of the things that I'm in the middle of is a career change and, um, which means education. Um, and I spent 17 years at a job, um, doing something that I was exceptionally good at, you know, and, and I'm not, it's not a brag. It's just when you do it for so long, you eventually get good at it, but it wasn't you know, it, it used to feed something inside of me. It used to feed this need to take care of people. And, and, um and, and, and and I got to a point in my recovery where, you know, taking care of everybody was, you know, starting to emotionally and physically and, and even spiritually, like really affect me deeply because I stopped taking care of myself. And so, you know, I, I hit this place where like, I want to change my career and then there'll be some hiccups along the way. And I'll be like, well, that's it you know, what I mean, my, my head says immediately, nope, a very black and white thinking. I can't. Well, I can't do it now, you know, or I can't because it didn't happen this way. And this just happened like three weeks ago, a month ago, where the traditional school option that I wanted to do wasn't going to work out the way that I wanted to. And my immediate response was fuck it. You know, I'll just go back to the job that I know how to do. And I'll just continue on my life. And I'll just do that. And, you know, with some help with some other folks in recovery, then I got to like look at new options that work for me, that allow me to continue on the path that I'm on. But that thinking, and 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 Douglas talked about it, you know, it's always going to be this way. This is the way it's always going to be. And I'm always going to be stuck in this place and it's never going to change. <clears throat> and that thought process is stifling, you know, and and it can actually like I can get that anxiety where it takes my breath away and I'm like, nope. And then I'm frozen and I can't do it. You know, and and when I look at When I look at what we just read about, you know, the destructive cycle of self-sabotage, right? Like that's really my goal today is like really to not participate in that process. You know, my go-to when I'm feeling a certain way is, and it was like this when I got clean and I can tell when the way that I think even today that let me worry about you, or think about you, or have an opinion about what you're doing, because the more that I focus on you, the less I have to focus on me, right, that can be my own set of drama, Um, and I just, I don't want to, I don't, I mean, in in, in current circumstances in my life, I really have to take a step back and and keep it in the eye, because I really would like to blame everybody in my little circle right now, specifically my kids, but you know, about why I have all this drama in my life, but I have a lot of work I have to do. You know, I have a lot of work I have to do, you know, to be uh, focused on me. And, 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 and that is just really the fight. And and it, and it's so interesting for me, like, even though logically I know my disease, right. I, I, I hear it. I know it self-awareness, man, it does sometimes just doesn't change the way that I feel. It doesn't change, that piece of it for me. And that's the part, um, at least specifically for me, where that's where all of a sudden when I'm feeling a certain way and, and I can't shake that, where I wanna just everything, fuck it. You know, burn like Doug said, I'm gonna burn the house down. I might burn the neighbor's house down while I'm at it, you know, and then here I am creating wreckage that I gotta go clean up. <laughs> you know, and, and so I can make room for some more, you know, uh, and I don't want to live like that today, but I, I guess the piece that I want to share, and my sponsor consistently reminds me of this, is that, you know, we are recovering addicts, right, I don't believe in the recovered process, I know there's a lot of people that do, it's an old AA thing, you know, that they're recovered, like, I am not recovered, the second that I think that I'm recovered, like, I'm fucked, you know, um i am recovering you know and i'm recovering from you know today i'm recovering from you know teenage drama you know and ex-husband drama and uh you know next week i might be recovering from you know fear of whatever but today i'm recovering from that you know and so that awareness for me and that peace you know that my sponsor reminds me of you know i don't have anything licked I don't have it figured out. I don't got this. Like, that's a really bad thought process for me. Um, You know, what I do have is the ability to reach out, to know that I need to talk to people, to know that I'm not alone, you know, and to know that, um, you know, my perception is off today. I'm not going to make any major decisions in my life today. And, uh, you know, I'm just going to keep trudging through. So with that, I'll pass.
0: Thanks for those comments, Jennifer. And you know that I introduced myself at meetings as a recovered addict. Now you know that. No, I'm just kidding. But look, I think I think the the what I wanted to dig in on that piece was about like, but do you think, but do you think in context, like when folk do that, like the recovered piece, like isn't, isn't the jump off point of like, hey, I'm recovered from that hopeless. Peace. You know what I'm talking about? Like that hopeless dilemma. I don't know if we if we if we look at it as like, hey, I'm recovered, meaning like i I'm done with the recovery process. You know what I'm saying? I, I think it I think it might be that. But anyway, anyway, uh one thing I did say burn the village now, I believe. So that's cool. We can start with the house and the neighbor's house, but like, hey, let's just get it. Let's just get to it. Barb, we're about to kick it to you. And and I wonder from what Des and Jennifer were talking about. You know, they, they're both talking about this piece of like saying, hey, I'm here, but I want to be there. You know, something has to change. So whether it's like a job, um, romantic situation, uh, you know, parenting, boundaries, you know, whatever. I get the, the question is, is like, what takes us from having that desire of like looking at it where we're at and then boom, I have a desire. I want to be over there. What, what gets us to, to, to like get in that mode of saying, all right, fucking, it, I want to do the footwork there. You know, so so I was thinking about that when when both Des and Jennifer were sharing. But uh, we're coming to you, Barb. What's happening?
1: Hey, Douglas, I was thinking, I've been thinking a lot of things that they say in the sister fellowship, recovered from a hopeless state of mind and body is what they say. And I used to know this guy that would sit in the meetings, an old timer, and he'd say that shit and they'd get all riled up about, you know, saying I'm recovered, you know, because he'd say, his name is Earl, too. I used to call him Earl the Pearl. And you talk about being recovered and people and, you know, have a, a conniption about it, you know, but, it, but, um, and then I like this about, um, letting go of our attachment to drama makes it possible to enjoy simple things in life without feeling we was constantly make something happen. You know, my sponsor tells me always that it's a disease of drama and through the steps, what I have learned is I am a drama queen, you know? And, and today I catch it and stop it a little sooner. I can remember an early recovery catching myself. I was in school on a break and catching myself, getting ready to start some drama. And that was the first time that, that I, that that was revealed to me, you know, and what it is, there, there there's a, um, a guy I know too, that he, he said, he tells a story about how he called his sponsor and he was saying about it being boring and this and that and whining. And he said, his sponsor said that's serenity asshole. You know, and that's what, what, when I got out of the drama, when I, when I, when I, and today I don't participate in drama, not for very long, I, I got a sense of the peace, you know, and at first it it felt like that was boring or, or, you know, I don't have a life or all this stuff. And, And what I, what I found is I have got addicted to, to that peace. And then a lot of stuff is revealed in that piece. It's like, it's like we used to not want to sit in the silence. You know, if, if somebody, if the floor was open and nobody shared, somebody would have to jump in and fill the silence today. I love that silence. I can sit there. I just bought a new car and he's doing the silent thing where he's sitting and I'm thinking motherfucker, I can sit here all day and be silent. You know, it don't bother me at all. So, you know, where a lot of people it would bother them and they would have to respond, you know? So, um, you know, today I, I'm not addicted to the drama, you know, and I love this. We find that we can be radiant without being radioactive. I was radioactive. I remember my first sponsor telling me, don't inflict yourself on on people, you know, and it, that's literally what I did. You know, and today, um, today, I, I think I'm a little better that, that I don't have a sponsor telling me that, but um, I am more radiant than radio, radio, um, radioactive. And the passion piece, you know, Douglas um, interviewed a guy one time and this, I teared up this guy because, and I was kind of thinking, you know, this guy's kind of boring and stuff. But then he said, I fell into this thing and I got the golden ticket. He was talking about recovery and it just, it just touched, it grabbed my heart when he said that. Cause it's like, yeah, I just fell into this thing. I didn't do nothing. I was a, I was a hopeless dope fiend and I got the golden ticket, you know. And, and I can, I find I can be, I can be passionate in many ways. The more, because I go to Alan on I'm working on myself, letting go of my son and getting a life and, and blooming in another direction. You know, I have passion for this podcast. I get to go, I was in Maldives. Dad, Des turned me on to this guy, Zimbe in uh, Maldives. And I had to Google where Maldives, it's a it's an Island off of India, you know, where it was at, but I'm in this meeting, listening to speakers. And it's like, how awesome is this? Because of this podcast, I need to go all over the world and meet addicts, you know. And I'm from a little area, Fort Walton Beach, and to know all that. When I went to New Orleans, it's like, what? All these addicts got 30, 40 years? Are you kidding me? Here, I was the most time, you know. It's just, it's awesome to do this. And I'm passionate. You know, I want to go all over the world and, and see people, talk to them in Narcotics Anonymous, you know. And that's because of this podcast and because I got this little Um, I got the privilege of doing this little commitment and I met people like Des and Jen and and Douglas to turn me on to this stuff, you know, so I can make passion anywhere you know I got a job that I do I'm older. And I went to school and got a four year degree went too fast and and um, picked an occupation that I really didn't want to do legal studies. And I can't see me in office, you know I'm pretty loud and in charge and you know I'm, I'm a little rough around the edges. But that was early recovery. What is it when you're six months clean, you want to be a drug counselor, you know, but it was one of those decisions. So what I do now is I clean houses and, and I'm not, I'm not passionate about that, but um, I can find passion in my life, you know, in recovery. When Douglas was talking about the psychologist, I have a dog right now that I've had 14 and a half years. I have an animal that I've cared for for 14 and a half years when I came from the streets and couldn't even care for me. He has vestibular syndrome right now. And that's where the crooked head and, and um, he can't walk. And, and I was, I've, I'm able to take him to the vet. I'm able to take care of him, be a nurse. And, and how I learned about Barb is when I'm in these situations, pay attention to Barb, pay attention to what's going on, what I'm thinking. That's what you guys have taught me. And it's just like the steps. That's where I'm revealed. You know, my defects, my flaws and my good things, you know, my assets. And I have to, I have to own all that shit, the good and the bad, you know? So, um, you know, this is an amazing journey and, and I agree with that guy. I fell into this thing, you know, and I got the golden ticket and I am so grateful to be in recovery and to be a member of narcotics anonymous.
0: Thanks for those, uh, those comments, Barb, Barb, for, for the folks who, who are listening and don't know, Barb does have the, uh, she books half the people each month so it's not a little commitment either man it could be a pain in the ass sometimes and so i'm grateful that she's she's on the spot with it But, but look the recovery process is so cool because like when 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 barb when you talk about how how you know you can identify with the radioactive radiant piece and that your sponsor said not to inflict you upon them it's so wild man that that like I've been, I've been out on a, at a table with you and I've been in a room with you and stuff like this. And you have this, you have this calming spirit about, you you just do. I mean, you, you, you guys know what I'm talking about? Like when you're in a room with somebody or you're around somebody, it's just like, it's one of those. And you have that. And to see like, you, you know, you start in the journey of like, of like, Hey, don't afflict yourself. And now it's almost like, we'll take some of Barb. You know, we'll take some of our give us some of our. It's just really cool, man. Really grateful to experience that. All right, Lisa, H., what's happening?
5: Uh, so Doug, you asked a question that kind of like lit my spirit up for a second. Like, what's the like, what's the bridge between like I want to be here, but I'm here, um, and like what makes the difference? And I think for me, like the piece of this reading that makes the difference is the letting go of attachment. Right. And it says to, to drama and to whatever else, but I think in general, letting go of attachment, um, because for me, like that bridge is ego. Um, and my, my disease is a disease of ego. My ego tells me that I should always be comfortable, that things should always go my way, according to my plan. Um, and when they don't work out my way, um, I freak the fuck out right? And it's not always external in my actions. Like a lot of times nowadays, it's more internal and I'm able to kind of, you know, like process myself through that because I've learned how to do that in this program. Um, but my ego also tells me that, you know, like I can want or that I am entitled to, or I deserve things that like maybe higher power is saying no to, you know? Um, and, and in the moment, my ego is the part of me that also resists acceptance, um, primarily acceptance of reality, um, because again, I have this like picture in my own mind sometimes of the way that I want things to be, um, or I'm really resistant to like the natural suffering that comes about in in life. Right? Um, you know, I've been told tons of times like I'm not going to tell you that recovery is all rainbows and butterflies, uh, because like life still shows up, um, and I you know just because I got clean doesn't mean that I don't still sometimes have shit piles to soar through, um, and I can really I can distort my perception of, of the shit pile, I guess. Um, you know, and I think for me, the antidote to that ego piece is is acceptance and, and probably gratitude. Um, because it's really easy for me. Like, I think this shows up, especially, um, in my relationship with my partner at times, you know, because again, there's like that attachment to drama. I'm used to very chaotic relationships. Um, you know, and, and like my partner is the person who like, Slows everything down for me, right? Um, and I can get into that like expectation of like, oh, okay, well, when's the next argument? When's the next this? When's the next that? And I can create that drama, you know, um, because that's what I'm used to. I feel it's necessary sometimes. Um, and it's the same with you know my living situation. You know, we uh, we went to Gettysburg this past weekend and stayed in this like really beautiful little like Airbnb that my partner rented, and it was super nice. And like there was a part of me that you know, kept looking around like, oh my gosh, I wish like I lived this way. And, you know, we live in like a fixer upper, but it's ours, you know what I mean? Like it's paid and, um, you know, it's full of love and our kids are happy here. And it's not, you know, the, the place where we stayed was like super clean and kind of sterile and had white furniture. And that's just not my reality. Right. Like I have a dude and two boys, you know, that's not reality. Um, you know, so I can get caught up in that, like, oh man, like that daydream of like, I wish I was here, Um, but I'm not. And I think the difference is like, I can create my own suffering in that way of thinking by wanting for what I don't have, instead of being grateful for what my higher power has actually given me in the here and now. Um, And like the way that, like I was taught gratitude is an action word, right? So there's like, you like to say there's like an action item attached to that. Um, And it is that like, I show up for my life exactly as as it is now. And like, I show appreciation by taking care of what I do have um because the reality is is like what i'm living in right now even though my ego might not always be comfortable with it what i'm living in and with right now is a damn sight better than what i was living in when i got clean so um you know i think this piece for me is about like again letting go of that attachment and you know kind of trying to release myself from some of that ego and i'll pass
0: thanks for those comments lisa our folks want to read two more paragraphs this episode Natalie, you good to read? Could you read the next two? We're gonna begin with part of what shifts.
4: Yes, I'm good. Let's see. Uh, Part of what shifts for us is our perception of what constitutes a crisis. Many of us spend much of our early recovery on high alert. We are so much more aware of the wreckage of our past than the miracle of our recovery that we seem to be in a chronic state of emergency. Addicts are funny. We tend to get very dramatic about little things, but we deal with with catastrophe better than most people do. We come to understand more about the scale of our experiences as we live life on life's terms. Experience gives us the ability to put events and situations into proper perspective. The fewer secrets we have, the less we tend to be concerned about what others are saying or doing. It's our secrets we are afraid of. We hide because we are ashamed, Telling the truth without embellishment or judgment limits drama. Our own willingness to meet the truth and deal with it takes a lot of the air out of the drama in our own minds and on the and on the gossip circuit. Ongoing step work takes the denial and deception out of our actions. As we learn compassion, we get less pre- pleasure from magnifying the struggles of others. So, yeah. Um, that living in the state of high alert or like there's always a fire alarm going on that most definitely um, that's where I was at and where I have a tendency it's like a it's like a go-to and when I was talking earlier saying that that I can let the expectations, the thoughts of future and all of that paralyzed me in a moment. I really equate it to that, like that feeling of high alert and just not knowing what to do next. Um, And getting outside of that and like not everything is an emergency for sure. Um, I have a son with special needs who um, he's, he's got a lot of needs and you know, I'm going to knock on wood when I say this, he's been pretty stable for a while, but there's been times where it's like, I'm holding him while he's having a seizure. I'm so calm in moments like that. Like the, the catastrophe, I most definitely handle catastrophe better than most people do. And I've had doctors in emergency situations point that out. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, um, I have this ability to stuff everything down and deal with it later. And, um, but that's kind of off off the topic here just bottom line like that those peaceful moments those peaceful times most definitely like I'm getting outside of myself and allowing myself to experience that peace because that high alert like I think it's still kind of a go-to for me so I'm gonna pass on that thank
2: you Uh,
0: thanks for reading thanks for those comments I want to tag on to that too I, I I really identify man I'm good when I, I'm good in muddy situations. You know, I really am. Sometimes I look around like when things are hitting on all cylinders, I'm like, ugh, I'm not sure what to do, you know, but, but, but when, when things are all fucked up, I'm pretty good. I want to make some comments about that last paragraph and then Des, I'll kick it to you. Um, so so this, um, the fewer secrets we have, uh, the less we tend to be concerned about what others are saying. Bro, that's, that, that's so true. And then like the fear of our secrets, stuff like this that's why it's really really important man if you if you're listening to have a sponsor who you believe in and who and who you're just thorough with a fourth and a fifth step you know getting current checking in with your people and things like this because here here's what happens with with this element of dishonesty you know we we sometimes we think like we can have this dishonesty piece and then we can compartmentalize it and just be dishonest and whoop and we'll just tuck it in right there and what happens is it infects every other area of our life and pretty soon we can't distinguish between like hey what did i put in this little part over here it it all gets sick and it all gets infected um and so you know so my experience recently has been like you know when it talks about like uh, uh to deal deal with things um stay current and then and then i don't i don't engage like i don't engage in social media i don't have social media it's just something that's you know it's unhealthy for me to be to to be dick deep in social media i don't do it and uh when i get hit up with that stuff it's like all right god bless thanks i say a prayer and then i'm i'm keeping it moving and what i've learned is man it is like i i'll be out um doing something with my kids or out living life or really and then i'll realize Man, I'm not I'm not handcuffed to a screen wondering what's on Facebook or, you know, Twitter, if y'all still do that, you know, whatever it is, you know, whatever that, whatever that looks like. It's like we get to live, you know, and we get to experience that freedom. All right. You got two and a half, Des, two and a half minutes.
2: All right. I, I don't know that I'll take two and a half minutes, but I <laughs> I just wanted to say that I love the line that says it's our secrets we're afraid of. We hide because we're ashamed and telling the truth without embellishment or judgment limits drama and I think that's just a really uh take-home message for everybody because I I can't tell you the number of times that myself I've been like in early recovery where I was afraid to tell anybody who I was and I don't feel like that way anymore today like like just last night I was um practicing with my band and it's a new musical endeavor for me and um the singer used to sing like cover songs and I'm not a cover artist. I'm an original artist. And he said to me, he said, you were the only one who was brave enough to tell me that I could, I had enough skill to do original music. And now I understand what that means. And I thought, man, so nobody else was saying this to you because they were intimidated or they felt like they couldn't say that. And I think that's a lot of my life. Like I'm, I'm, I generally am, able to, today, I'm able to tell people what's up, and when I first got clean, I couldn't even make eye contact with people, let alone let them know my name, you know, so today, I'm really grateful that, um, like, I don't have to have drama, I don't have to embellish my truth, my truth is my truth, and my truth is pretty cool, man, and, and it doesn't need any fluff, so I'm really grateful for that, and, and sometimes, because of this program, because of Narcotics Anonymous, I feel like when I'm talking about my life, and I'm hearing it, it's almost too good. It's almost so good that I can't believe it's true. I can't imagine what other people are thinking, man. Cause I've done some amazing shit because of N.A. And there's more to come, you know and I'm really excited for that. So um, yeah, so that's all I wanted to share. Thanks for thanks for letting me tag on tonight.
0: Thanks for those comments, Des. All right, folks, we're gonna wrap this episode up. If I really would like to invite you um, first, thanks for listening. And, and then invite you to do two things one is to as barb would say love those people whoever those people are love them enough to tell them the truth number one and then love yourself as, as paul would say look I'm, I'm gonna hit just hit it all around and then paul paul would say share that two percent right because that's what's going to bring us together so y'all do that this week and then hit us up let us know how that goes Thank you for walking with us on this journey. Please reflect on what was discussed and apply it to your life. Share this resource with anyone you feel led to do so.